you believe it? In their first Commonwealth Games gold medal match, England complete the fairy tale. And her misses, it doesn't matter. Twice, the Sunshine Coast going back to back. Champions in the 2018 Super Netball Competition. Hello and welcome to Here If You Need, ABC Grandstand's guide to the 2019 Super Netball season. I'm your host, Brittany Carter, and here to share her wonderful wealth of netty knowledge is former English Roses defender, Sonia McClemmer. Hi, Sonia. Hi. So good to have you in here, and I know we have so much netball to talk about. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to talk everything netball, because I love it. <laughs> did you enjoy our show intro with the Caribbean music? Y- yes, I did. I was actually bopping along to it. I was like, okay, yeah, had definitely had a Caribbean feel to it. Yeah, inspired <laughs> yeah. by our Calypso girl, Sam Wallace, yeah. at the Swifts. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Now, tell us, you finished up with the Swifts in 2014, uh, when Australia's domestically was still linked with New Zealand. Have you seen a massive change in what we've got with Super Netball now? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the, the ANZ Championship stood alone in what it put out. I guess travelling across the Tasman week in, week out, playing with the New Zealand teams, the Aussie teams, obviously the imports came in. The competition was completely different. The, diff- the style of netball that was played was completely different. It was good for crowds because it brought in both New Zealand and the Aussies so both to, across both games. So that was really good. And I think now with the Super Netball and an Aussie comp, it is definitely an Aussie style of netball that I'm watching <laughs> week in, week out. And I just think it's been a good opportunity for more of the younger girls coming through the ranks to get opportunity to play now because they're not getting lost through spots taken by overseas girls, so to speak. We've also got 21 international players playing in the Super Netball this season from England, uh, Jamaica, we've got Calypso girls, we've got uh, South Africans, you know, there's a really good mix now of the netball on display. Yeah, there is. And I think it's so good. And I think it's so important for the competition. I also think it's good for netball. And most importantly, it's good for the crowds. I think what was special about the ANZ Championship was the fact that crowds were seeing girls from New Zealand watching a different style of netball being played. And then obviously at that point, I think we had a few English girls and a lot of Jamaicans playing at that time. So the different styles of netball, and I think now with all these internationals coming for the super netball, people are still getting a bit of that spice and a bit of change in the way the game's being played, which is really important. A bit of spice, I yeah, love definitely. it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, the biggest uh, thing we have to talk about in terms of looking at this season, I guess, is the World Cup and how it's going to interrupt mm the season this year so it's happening in Liverpool and what will happen is the Super Netball will play out nine rounds then they'll take a month's break and then they'll head back into the last four rounds of regular season now you and I were talking off mic about how there could be some fatigue from some of our international players coming back yeah definitely I think what is good is the build-up towards the start of the Super Netball comp is everybody's training, everyone's trying not to peak too early. Their S&C coaches are working hard to maintain the players. Teams that do have a lot of internationals going off to World Cup will feel a bit of a hit and a bit of pushback. I think just because once the girls do leave for the UK, their training doesn't stop. So they're going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And the time, those four weeks in which they compete, the downtime coming back across to Australia, which, you know, you've got to keep in consideration the whole jet lag thing. Mm. You know, it's going to take a hit and toll on the bodies. And then obviously those girls more than likely the top girls in their starting sevens. So it's definitely going to have a knock-on effect to the teams, I guess, 
when the second half of the comp starts, but also it'd be a good indication of how their strength and conditioning programs have been set out, the quality of it, what have they been doing to prepare for this change that's going to happen? Because we all know it's going to happen. And I guess with the players that stay behind, they're still going to be training. The difference is they get the weekends off and, you know, no netball, no stress. So they get to push on and improve their netball in that downtime at the same time. Well, we sent grandstand cadet Lucy Watkin uh, from our Melbourne office out to the season launch this week. And she had a chat with Lightning captain Laura Langman. And this is what she had to say. And you came third in the pre-season tournament that just gone by. What were the team's thoughts about the performance? It was, it was a good opportunity to see where we were at. Um, man, there's some teams that were looking slick already. Um, and I think, if anything, I came out of it thinking, boy, it's going to be uh, down to the wire. Obviously, with the break in the, um, in the league for World Cup, it's going to add a bit of a spinner in the works uh, in terms of the energy and um, the bodies coming back from World Cup and how teams handle that. So um, this season, I think, is going to come down to strategy. And speaking of the break, do you think it's going to impact the season quite heavily or do you think we'll see burnout from players, a bit of fatigue or finding it hard to come back? How do you see it playing out? Yeah, you know, I guess you're not going to know until you're in it, ultimately. Um, I think um, it's a, it's, you know what, it's probably a really nice challenge for the coaches. <laughs> Thought that one they probably want, but um, like loading, player management um, and strategy again, I think. Um, no, I think it's really good. I know there was a lot of hype around New Zealand started better, having got the league out and done and dusted. Um, the break's going to be a nightmare, but I like, I like it. I think um, there's so much hype around the World Cup, and we're wanting our sport to be in the forefront of everyone's minds 24-7, and what better way to do it is to start out with a bit of a teaser for a few rounds in Super Netball, hit the big stuff with World Cup, and then seeing um, well, an opportunity to showcase how professional netball is when we come back after the break. So I think there's lots of opportunities in there, not only for teams on a, on a, uh, at a super netball level, but also for our code. Sonia, what do you think about what Laura's saying there? Do you think it's smart of Netball Australia to try and ride the hype wave coming off the back of the World Cup for the back end of their domestic season? Or should they have moved the season a little bit earlier like New Zealand netball did? Um, no, I definitely think, I think it's a good idea to kind of go with the flow and the, the momentum of like the whole hype World Cup will be providing. Mm. I think the fact that it keeps the crowd, as, as I know netball, we speak about everybody, it's about the crowds. And I think it keeps the crowds in, in tune, in touch. And actually it'll benefit Australia because all their girls who are potentially going to go to World Cup, the coaches have an idea to watch them play on home soil before selections, final selections. Also the girls are playing, they're, they're actually in the, they're in the middle of netball, so they're actually playing which leads them into World Cup perfectly because they've got, they're already out there. So there's not much work to be doing off the back of that end. As a player, if you were in this situation now, would you just be so pumped about the idea about playing World Cup and, and Super Netball all in one chunk together that you wouldn't be worried about fatigue or would it be weighing on your mind? No, I don't think you would. I think what normally happens is you play a season, have a little break and the back of the season is the World Cup. They're just throwing it in the middle. So I think as a player, the fact that you get to play for your country and that, opportunity to now before I get selected I actually get to put out some good couple of weeks of good netball to kind of hold my case I think that's important and I think when you're out there you you've already got the plan ahead so you know that you know from January right up until September I'm going to be playing netball so you know what your year is going to look like so to speak so I think for players it's exciting 
they're just going to ride with it. I think once you put on that dress, whether it's the red dress or the yellow dress, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're going to be pumped to play and put out your best performance every time. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it at Grandstand. Now, in terms of Super Netball, let's have a little refresher on how we finished up last year. They know it's all over. And lightning strikes twice. The Sunshine Coast have built the first dynasty in this Super Netball competition by going back-to-back. From fourth on the ladder, they win three finals on the road. They have absolutely earned it. The Sunshine Coast Lightning champions in the 2018 Super Netball competition. So the Sunshine Coast Lightning, who were the underdogs, came from fourth to beat the powerhouse of 2018, the West Coast Fever, 62-59 in that match. Sonia, you're smiling. Is it nice to relive that moment? It was a great game to watch. And, yeah, the Sunshine Coast were definitely underdogs. And you watch them through the season. The bloody bonus points. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, we're going to talk about them. I know, yeah. They kept Sunshine Coast in the game, in the whole, throughout the season, just kept them in touching distance, which was good for them, which I guess, whether I don't know whether it was a coaching tactic to say, okay, guys, we're not winning games, but as long as we get these bonus points, let's focus on that. And I think that was a good tact, whether it was intentional or not, by the coach to then focus on, we're not winning, but let's make sure we get some points out of it. And it, and it worked. It did them dividends. It got them through to the finals and it got them to perform on the big stage, especially against a West Coast Fever team that had not been into finals for how many years? Mm. And yeah, they were whitewashing most teams, but the reality is finals pressure is completely different again. That's right. Now, it's interesting that this season, the unknown is the World Cup and we've spoken about how people will be able to manage fatigue and, and all the rest of that that goes with that. But last year, the unknown was the bonus points and how people were going to use them in play. So you're right, we did see a more tactical side to netball and it actually kept people watching the full game online yeah, on TV. definitely, definitely. And, you know, they added a bit of betting in there. And <laughs> things were more than, more than just um, pride was on stake. I guess some people's money was on stake as well. <laughs> um, and I do question, I think it's, it's still new. A lot of coaches complained about it and I don't really... I don't know, do I think it's a great idea? I'm kind of 50-50. I sit on the fence and the fact that I I get it. But, you know, you win, you win. Mm. And like you said, a team like Sunshine Coast who went through with hardly any victories ended up in the finals and obviously winning the comp. So for some, it's a bit sore. But, yeah, it's a hard, I don't know, I sit on the fence with the bonus points and... I don't know, so far so good. It worked for Sunshine Coast. I think mm. most coaches need to adapt and change. And like you said, it's the importance of winning each quarter now as opposed to just winning the game. Well, how about the Melbourne Vixens? Because they were a side that were really impeded by the bonus points. They won just as many games as, say, uh, your Sunshine Coast Lightning, who made it into fourth. But because they couldn't get enough bonus points, really fell out of the top four and didn't make the semis as a result. Yeah, and you've got to, you know... Like you said, the top, the teams winning with 30 goals or more were making top four and the teams that were performing well, building nicely. And, you know, Melbourne Vixens is an old school team. It's one of the original teams. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's that change of mindset that didn't come. Whereas you look at Sunshine Coast, new fresh team, new fresh mindset, new coaching staff. So they probably 
kicked in straight away with the new rules and changed tactics straight away. Whereas I reckon a lot of teams or coaches maybe held on to the fact that, oh no, they'll be all right and just play out, not to change too much to disrupt the girls. So maybe that came into play, especially for Vixens. So for those that are listening that need a little refresher, you can basically take up to eight points from a game. So if you win the game, you get four. If you draw, you get two. And there's a bonus point for each quarter one. So every team that made it into the top four last year made 30 or more bonus points. Uh, and, and basically anyone that had less than that fell out of contention. So it's going to be a big tactical play as we see the seasons uh, progress in Super Netball. Now, let's stick with the Vixens. Many are tipping them as the team to go all the way this year. Do you think they have that potential, Sonia? I actually think they do. I know they've lost Mia um, yeah, which obviously is a massive blow for them. I guess the exchanges they've gained, Caitlin Thwaites. Um, Renee Ingalls is back, mm-hmm. so that also helps massively. Um, and So I think you know their defence then is still strong. And yeah, I think that they're a good team mm. and I think they would have learned the lesson from last year. And I think, you know, they've brought in Sherelle McMahon as the front end coach, attacking coach, which is obviously going to help. So yeah, I, I can see them. I actually, I actually had them down as probably getting into those, into the grand final, if anything, mm. good little team. And my Kamwenda is a chance still to come back later in the season if she recovers from that uh, dreadful knee injury she sustained last year. So um, that's another positive for them. But I think also the fact that they have nine players that could potentially be heading to Liverpool across a range of teams really speaks about the calibre of player that they've got at the Vixens at the moment. Yeah, they did a good recruitment. (laughs) (laughs) Great recruitment in the off-season, I think. And this is the question we always say, we speak about the four weeks off, is how how that's going to affect a team like a Vixens that's going to lose their main players. And, you know, those there's so many of them that the ones coming below them will not be able to stand up and hold the fort, I guess, while they're gone. Mm. So it will be interesting to see how they come back and what, what their coaches have put in place to prepare them to come back into comp at the back end of the season. Now let's stick with Victoria. The Collingwood Magpies won the Team Girls Cup, which was the brand new preseason tournament they launched for Super Netball. Now, big ins for them. They've got Nat Medhurst, Jeeva Mentor, Kelsey Brown and Shimona Nelson all joining the club this year. And on the outs are Shani Layton, Shay Brown and Erin Bell, who all retired. So, I mean, big raps and it could very well be an all-Victorian final, Sonia. Yeah, but... Not convinced. I, yeah, I'm not convinced. And I think what what opened up, like watch, watching the, the Team Girls Cup and watching Collingwood go down to Giants. Mm-hmm. And I think all the teams that have watched that and the way the Giants team opened them up. And to be fair, that whole Giants midcourt was what my A&L team two years ago. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're all the young ones. They're all the training partners and new recruits that have just come through. And those young ones actually opened up that whole Collingwood team. So, and I know Rob's coached a few of them as well. So the fact that they went down that loss mm. could be detrimental to them because I think at that point, all the teams were like, oh, they put them on this high pedestal. And I think at the end of the day, you've got a nine, 10 girl lineup, studded lineup, only seven girls can get on the on the court. Mm. And we forget that. And with that and with top names on the bench, it'll be interesting to see how these girls sit on the bench because a lot of these girls have not sat on the bench. You know, mm. you look back and you look at Nad Medhurst and sat on the bench. Ajiva, Kelsey, these girls, Kelsey's up against her sister, two brown yeah. sisters, plus um, Rav, all vying for f- two positions. So, mm. you know, the reality is some people sit nicely on the bench and some people won't. And I think when that opens up and it creates tensions in teams, 
you can have a star-studded team, but they don't always win the races. And I just think it'd be interesting to watch how they go throughout the seasons and how teams get around them. I just think what, what the advantage they've got, they've got a wealth of experience in that mm. team. They've got a lot of old bodies. Yeah. And that's another thing, old bodies come injuries, you know. So it'd be interesting to see how they cope and how they manage their players, I guess, throughout the season. The sticking point too, I think, between the two Victorian teams is that the Melbourne Vixens went through the Team Girls Cup pretty much undefeated until that final game. And in a final game, as you say, yeah. it's a totally different situation. You know, it's it's a big pressure cooker. Um, but Collingwood did lose a couple of games and still made the final. So maybe the Vixens are the strongest side out of those two. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, Vixens, like you said, have more of those girls actually play current players in the Aussie team, mm. you know, whereas um, the Collingwood team has a lot of, ex-players yeah so you know experience youths and all that kind of stuff it, i reckon it comes into play and the fitness the fitness is key and yeah. i think when you're running 10 girls so it'll be interesting to see i'm not 100 percent tipping them okay i like the boldness of that <laughs> now the giants you mentioned them they've gone from having a really experienced team to having one of the youngest teams in the competition how do you think they'll fare this year um yeah the giants have lost you know you've lost the experience of um, Serena Guthrie, Bet Bully and Christina Bryce, the big mm. powerhouse at the back. And I think, you know, all fairness to her, she actually came on at crucial times during that throughout the season to get the Giants over the line. And they've lost that. Yeah, they, they've gained Caitlin Bassett, but they've also gained a lot of youth and a, a lot of youth with, li- with not that much experience. And I just think they're, you know, they're quite, I call them the bully team, so to speak, and <laughs> if I can. And the fitness they can't muscle their way through all these teams. Hmm. So I think that will tell, I guess, as the season goes on, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how much Kim can put out. Caitlin Bassett, new team and new feeders. You know, you've lost Serena, great feeder. So, you know, you've got, you've had to push Jamie Price up to a centre midcourt position. And I guess when the pressure comes on is, can these girls execute the passes and the feeds in without Kim Green on court? Now, we haven't mentioned your coaching career so far, but this will be your third year as assistant coach at the New South Wales Waratahs. Yes. And uh, you're also involved with the Swiss in a defending coach position. So uh, some of these players you would have seen coming up through the ranks, the likes of Matilda McDonald, who's 18 and now signed to a Super Netball Club. It's just insane. I know. Tilly, I call her Tilly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she was in ANZ last. She was in the, our ANZ team. I'm sorry, ANZ she was in our Waratahs team, a team last year. She was the starting goal keep, you know, very smart girl. I think she stopped halfway towards the back end of the season. She had to go to the UK to go to Oxford University to do some wow. studies. So she's a powerhouse in the brain side of things as well. And, <laughs> you know, me as a player and with the whole uni stuff, I thought it's important that you do go and get education as well because netball's not forever. Mm. Um I reckon she could have got another year out of ANZ. Giants picked her up in the absence of Tegan O'Shaughnessy. And they were smart. She's a good player. Mm. I like her. I rate her. Still a bit young. I think the SSN is going to be a big step for her. Mm. But she's coming across. She's been developing nicely. She had a great um, season at Waratahs. So it'll be interesting how she goes. I've watched her a little bit in Premier League and she seems like a real character. But the other thing is she's not one of the tallest circle defenders we've seen, is she? No, she's not, but she can get up. She's got a good She's got a good little jump on her. Mm. I just think it'll, be, it'll come down to experience with Till. And, you know, the Giants, they've got Sam Pullman at the back as well as Christine Manor. So pushing Matilda out to go to fence is a whole new position for her. So for her, that's a lot of learning. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how she goes as the season progresses. All right. Well, let's hear from Kim Green again. She's chatting with Lucy Watkin. Well, Kim, there have been a couple of retirements and a few players who have left to go off 
overseas uh, for the Giants. What's it been like bringing in a, a younger team for the Giants this season? Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. Um, I think, yeah, the loss of like key players and a lot of experience in our team um, has been an interesting, I guess, transition in our young ones coming in. I think the one thing that we really want to concentrate on with our young ones is that they didn't have to fill the shoes of those incredible players. It was just about doing their little jobs and their roles that they needed to do. And um, we've worked really hard on that, making sure that that's really clear and they have... Um, a lot of clarity around their role on court and also off court. So, yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, I'm one of the older ones and having to have, you know, conversations with a just-turned-18-year-old, it's been really interesting. You never know what's going on in the world at 18. It's crazy. And I understand there was a focus on getting New South Wales talent into the Giants and building a roster that um, New South Wales could sort of get behind was that a really important thing for the club as well? Yeah, I think Julie Fitzgerald, when she decided to come back to New South Wales, we sat down and had a really good chat about what we wanted the Giants to look like moving forward. And um, we had found that the New South Wales teams at that time were employing a lot of players from interstate, which is which is completely fine. But at some stage, they have to go home and they want to go home and they get homesick and there's often really big holes left and we knew that we had such great talent in New South Wales. Um, we've got some real young ones coming through the ranks that really are putting their hands up and wanting it up bad enough to get out there and push and push and push and we knew that we had to recognise those players and reward them as well. So yeah, I think we have two, we've got one from Perth, so Caitlin Bassett and um, we have our English import and then the rest are New South Wales kids. So let's stick with New South Wales, Sonia. You are with the Swifts as a defensive coach we mentioned before. And basically when Super Netball started two years ago, they had to start fresh because they had a massive exodus. They lost a lot of experience and they had one of the youngest teams in the competition. But that's been building the last two years and we're seeing some really strong performances from them now. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the girls that came in were were young, were less experienced, were sitting behind major players, hence they moved. Moving forward like this, the whole focus for the Swifts now for 2019 is you're not the young team anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not the, you're not experienced. You're actually the team that's probably got maintained and held on to the, the core players from the last two years, which is so important because that's about bonding, which means you've played with the same people for the last two seasons. So I think with the Swifts now, it's definitely about no excuses and what we're putting out each training session and you know, for the games building up, it's putting 100% to go take it through to the finals. Now, Abby McCulloch has dropped down from the Swifts camp into the Waratahs camp. Yeah. What's it like to have her there? Oh, it's good. Abby, I've when I was playing for Swifts, Abby was there alongside as a young one coming through. Um, and the fact that she got, you know, the captaincy of the Swifts was great for her and great for her career. Coming down to the Waratahs, the fact that she wanted to just keep playing after losing a contract I think that's important as a player to do that and as in a way I look at it as finishing on your terms more so I think that's exciting and I think for the girls in the Waratahs you know they look up to Abby as well and they respect what she has to say so I think that's really important and I think she's been doing a great job so far. Now you mentioned it's important for the Swifts to focus on not seeing themselves as the younger ones this year how do you think they'll fare in terms the latter in, in when it comes to the end of the season? Yeah, I was watching. I watched, you know, I watched the preseason, and since the preseason time, I watched the massive turnaround. I actually believe that Swiss will make top four okay. from what I've seen, and not just because I'm sitting there, <laughs> sitting in their camp. <laughs> um, 
I'm quite honest that way. And I think it's in, in regards to the work they're putting out each week. You know, they have a couple of trial games against Sunshine Coast and Giants and they've won both. And they're doing, they're putting out great performances minus key players. So I think that's important. And I think that's, you've got to be a team of 10. And I think with the Swiss, I've seen that they are a team of 10. Mm. And they've got girls, you know, like Sophie Garbin, who comes across from Western Australia as a goal shoot, is now running a goal attack and doing a good good job against top goal defenders. So the fact that Swiss have developed a team of 10, moving forward, which I think in this tournament, especially with the break in the middle is so important, will be an advantage for them. And yeah, just seeing how they're putting out the fact that, you know, Paige Hadley and Sarah Clow, who weren't in the Aussie team, weren't going to look in off the back of the Team Girls Cup weekend got selected for Aussies and went to camp and put out good performances. I think that's important and it shows that it's not just what they did there regardless of the results, it's actually the work they've been putting in prior to that. So I think that is definitely important. Let's head north and focus on the Sunshine Coast Lightning. They've won the competition two years running. We mentioned they were massive underdogs finishing fourth uh, last year and, and really reaping the rewards from those bonus points. But um, they've got some big ins this year after losing some big players too. So they lost Jeeva Mentor, Kelsey Brown, Caitlin Bassett, but picked up Laura Langman again. So good to see her back on Australian soil. Peace Proskova from Uganda and also Pumza Mawini from uh, South Africa. So some big signings there. Yeah, definitely. Do I think they'll do it again? They'll get three in a row? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the loss of Jeeva, Kelsey and Caitlin's a massive loss across all areas of the court. Three top internationals who obviously off the back of their season, Kelsey got brought into Aussie team. So obviously peaking and playing good netball. Um, they are still a new team building. I think the coach, Nolene is good. She's a good coach, good tactical coach. So that's going to come in handy. So I'll keep, it'll keep them close. But do I think they'll do it? I don't think they'll win it again. Okay. And how about we were talking about the load of the World Cup and Super Netball, and I don't want to keep harping on about it, but what about Nolene Toua? Like she's got to coach the New Zealand Silver Ferns and coach a world-class Super Netball team at the same time. Yeah, I think um, I think all respects to her to wanting to stay and finish her contract with Sunshine Coast, and I think that's important mm. and that's a bit of integrity. And I guess, you know, when you say you're going to do something, finishing it through, which I always think is important and yeah, for her, she's got to battle too hard. So I think the bonus for her is she's playing here. She's mm. got so much video of all the girls who play the Aussie team. And, you know, she'd be silly not to take that information back to the Silver Ferns when she goes back home and use she's it like to her advantage. She's like a little spy, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? And, I, you know, the same as like the Laura Langmans and the English girls. You're out here, you're learning. So you're playing, you're enjoying your netball, but you're also learning as you go. And that's an experienced player. How about the Queensland Firebirds? Were you surprised that they made the semis last year? Um... No, I think, you know, Laura Geitz is a massive influence. And I think, you know, when you watch her play, a lot of the opposition teams have sometimes the respect, due respect, but maybe too much respect. And I think that changes how they play in their game. And she's a massive influence on the court, which is important to have her there. Um, yeah, I was interested to see how they would go. I didn't think they would, I don't think they were going to win it with two tall shooters. I just don't think they utilised it a lot. And I think as it's gone on, and especially after watching Team, Girl, Team Cup Girls, they've been working on that and utilising their shooters more. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. But I think they're definitely beatable. Their back end is a bit younger, less experienced now of Laura gone. But hopefully she's done enough to keep them, to give them a little nudge and get them up there. Because you spoke about the respect and experience that Laura Geitz brings to the side. But yeah, they're without her this season. So it's almost like someone's got to step up and take that position again. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, they've got Gabby Simpson out there. And I think the main thing is back in the circle, though, that intimidation of the shooters will disappear a little bit. So... I think it's for most teams who look at go, oh, that back end 
we've got something there. Whereas, you know, you've got, they've already um, fearful, I guess, of a Gretel and Romelda at the front end to get over that height. But then the other end of the court, they're like, well, I guess it's not as much a threat. Heading west, the West Coast Fever. Now, runners-up last year had a really big battle with the Giants for the minor premiership and lost that. How do you think they're going to go this year? They've still got Janelle Fowler, who was the MVP last year, so tall and made that new record shooting 783 goals in one season. It's just incredible. Like She was such a powerhouse at the back and so many teams really struggled to shut her down because of her height. Yeah, and I think, you know, the ghost behind that was Nat Metis. And I think the problem is Nat Metis is so smart, so experienced, and her feeds are so good. She can also shoot. So the fact that she was feeding Janelle Fowler was teams didn't know who to mark. You couldn't double on Janelle because if you did, then, you you know, you've got to focus on Nat Medhurst. So finding that balance. And I think with them losing her is a massive loss mm. um, in that attack end because they haven't got a goal attack as skilled as she was and who could deliver the ball into Nat Medhurst. I think off the back of watching Team Girls Cup, you could see that they would be struggling like Tegan Neal. I don't think she got shot in or put a shot up, one of the two. Um, but that feed isn't didn't come as natural. And then when Janelle came in, I think she came in for the back end of like one or two games maybe, you know, to get a little touch of it. It was definitely, you could definitely see they were missing Nat Midhurst. Well, we saw Janelle Fowler injured in some of those final games mm. of last year's season and how much they struggled without her there. So the fact that she's still sort of battling injury now, and you're right, they've lost that Medhurst experience in, this, in the circle, uh, could be bad signs for the fever. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think what happened with the last year, the momentum, the crowd support, they had a great season. Mm. Let's give it to them, you know, considering the, the seasons prior to that. And the fact that they've done that, they've built that. I know the girls in that team are gutsy, and their back ends are gutsy back ends. So I think with that kind of momentum pushing the front end forward, I reckon they still will come, they will fare good this year. Will they win it? I still don't know. I think um, Medhurst might be too big a loss for them. Yeah. How do you feel about how all that went down? It was pretty brutal from their end too. Yeah, to be fair, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know what, I wasn't there at training, so I don't know what was um, said and what her behaviour was like at training. And like you said, I think if someone's not being part of a team, you know, if you're not a team player, then you can't be in a team. And hopefully it wasn't that because I guess whatever you had, whatever wasn't dealt with in West Coast Fever will then transfer over to Collingwood. So bad habits. If it's not been, if they're not been dealt with, they can transfer over. So it'd be interesting to see how she fares at Collingwood and also how Fever fare about her. They might actually rise and shine on the back of her loss. So it'd be interesting to see how they go in the season. Now, the final team we've got to discuss is the Adelaide Thunderbirds and I really see a struggle to see them doing any better this season. They finished eighth last year and eighth the year before that. Even at the Team Girls Cup, they played a really great match against the West Coast Fever, but they both still finished equal eighth. Like, am I being too harsh on them, Sonia? Um, Well, Adelaide Thunderbirds, they lost Christy Bryce. Shimona Nelson went across to Collingwood. They lost Catherine Lartu. Wasn't there most of the season? They lost... um, Two shooters, I can't remember the other young girl's name, one of their A&L girls. They lost, so they lost two other shooters as well. So they're building mm. again. And, you know, they've gained Layla Guskoff, Shamira, Beth Cobden coming to the back of injury, Maria Frilau. So they are building. I think, you know, their defence team, watching them during some preseason games, Layla and Shamira are definitely going to get better and better. And the balls they get, the, their work rate, the way they work together and bond is amazing to watch on court. So that's definitely going to have an impact. Obviously, with Beth Cobden coming back, getting back to full strength, I guess, in her prep, trying to make to World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage her. 
And then they've got shoot at the end. They've actually got, I think they struggled last year for shooters. I just don't think Kat Latu and the other two girls that I can't remember their names, my bad. They weren't enough. Mm. And they were more young and experienced training partners brought up. So Maria Falau can hit a shot. <laughs> so if in doubt, give her the ball and at least, you know, that goal's going to go in. But it'd be interesting to see how they go. Um, yeah, they're still a new team. You know, we've got we to gotta give them that. They are a new team, but they've got some amazing talent. And I think they're going to rock a few feathers and stuff here. They can't be underestimated, especially I think you just put Maria in that front end and it changes the whole ball game. Definitely. Absolutely. Now, they have got a new coach. They've had a high turnover of coaches down there, but Tanya Obst, who is at the Giants, has headed down there to take on a head coaching role. Um, as yourself, as a coach, is it difficult, that scenario, trying to rebuild a club when you know that um, your head could very well be on the chopping board if there's not results pretty quickly? Yeah, and I think Adelaide Funderbears aren't sure of putting coaches' heads no. on the chopping board, are they? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Under pressure each week, each game. Um, no, Tanya, you know, Tanya's got experience. She's the England um, assistant coach as well with Tracy Neville. She's coming off the back of sitting next to Julie Fitzgerald. So she's got the experience there. I'm not sure how she's going to go as a head coach. I guess when the pressure comes, we'll see and we'll see the decisions she starts to make during crunch time games. But it's a new team. I think it's exciting for her. I think she's an Adelaide girl anyway. So, you know, I think that's definitely something to build on. They're going to push a few teams mm. um, who are going to, I just don't think they can be underrated. They've had a massive loss. They've got a whole new front end, but they've actually got some experience in there. You know, Layla's been playing a while. Shamira's coming off good come off games and great. You know, everybody wanted her on their team ticket this year. And, you know, Maria Falau speaks for herself. So they've recruited well. So it'd be interesting to see how they all come together and how they use their experience. Watch this space in yeah, Adelaide. Definitely. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Sonia. How about <laughs> some predictions for this season? What about the team to win the minor premiership? I was unsure about that one, so I, I kind of left that one blank. Oh. Kind of uh, it's difficult to yeah, say, though, so because hard. it's so close. Yeah, West Coast Fever might get over there. Get over there. Or, yeah, I'm not sure. Collingwood might be up there as well. Okay. If you want to name it, yeah. And what about two teams to make the grand final? Oh, well, you know, not because I'm a Swifty, but I think Swifts and Vixens will fare well to make, as long as they make the tactical changes to get the bonus points. I think their players and their their roster are good. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. That's an interesting prediction because potentially we're seeing two older clubs, yeah. two very well-established clubs meet in the final and you've got a lot of young faces there. Yeah, not young faces, girls that have been around. Mm. Like you look at the Vixens team as an Aussie lineup. Mm. They should have made it last year. So, you know, Caitlin at the back and what they're doing, they should have been there. You know, Paige Hadley's been around a long time. The same but as still young, but you're yeah, right. She's been around since yeah. I've been. <laughs> I don't know, she probably started at 12. She was running next to me. I was probably like 30. But, you know, I look at their front ends. I look at the likes of Helen Housby and Sam Wallace and the fact that they're coming alive. Paige Hadley's now been brought into an Aussie team. That experience there. Um, Maddie Proud in the middle. And then their back end that did so well. It's interesting to see how they do. They, they're not a bully team. They're not that physical team. And they're not as smart as I think a team like Collingwood. But I think when you have the grit, you can push through. And I think that's what both those old clubs do bring. And it'd be interesting to see how they go. Yeah. So if you're tipping Vixens and a Swifts final, who wins the battle out of those two? <laughs> do I just have to say Swifts or Swifts really? <laughs> no, you can say anything <laughs> No, I probably would like. say. I would, you know, I would say I would pick it. But yeah, who knows? I've, I've got Swifts down, so. <laughs> what about a player to watch? Um... Yeah, I saw that and I was thinking about it for ages and I wasn't, and like I said, again, I didn't want to be too biased in my predictions. I definitely think it's defenders this year and I've had um, down Shamira 
And I've got the same player down. Yeah, she's going to have a, I think she's been having a good season anyway. And I think um, just watching her through preseason, her, watching her through the come off games and what she puts out, her energy and the ball she picks up is amazing. And I also had down, I did have down Sarah Clare from the Swift, just watching the way she was brought into Aussie camp. And I think at the back of last year, she, with her, there was no belief she would get there. And the fact that she's now got picked into Aussie squad of playing, and I think she just needs a bit more, a bit more of Shamira's confidence. Yes. And I think, <laughs> I think you add that to that, that bit more arrogance and confidence and just back yourself. It'd be interesting to see. So I think those two at the ends will be interesting. And, yeah, I think that back end and not just talking as a defender, just watching all the defenders across all the teams, I think they've all recruited quite well. I watched a bit of Shamira Sterling playing for Jamaica in the Fast Five down in Melbourne last year and she's certainly got a lot of flair and she really, I think, defines, redefines what it means to be a defender. Yeah, definitely. The height, her length, the the pounce on the ball, she does everything. She's ticking all the boxes of the stuff that I guess as defensive coaches you're asking your players to do and it's something that she's just doing naturally. And she's not been on the scene that long, you know, so all credit for her coming through young, getting picked up, I guess a bit of tug of war for all the teams to pick her up as well. So, yeah, she's definitely going to be fun to watch. And I think she's going to be the cause of a lot of upsets for most teams if she's underestimated. All right. Well, we've been pretty thorough, Sonia. We've gone through all eight teams and I think... uh, whether you, some of your bold predictions come true, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, big thanks to Lucy Watkin for her interviews at the Super Netball launch. And thanks to you, our listeners, for listening to ABC Grandstand's guide to the 2019 Super Netball season. But Sonia, looking forward to seeing lots of netball in the coming months. Yes, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great to watch and I'm looking forward to it. It starts, kicks off, what, 10 days? Yes. It all starts and we'll be living netball. So, yeah, we're definitely good to watch. I'm excited for it. I'm Brittany Carter. This is Here If You Need. Can you believe it? In their first Commonwealth Games gold medal match, England complete the fairy tale. And her misses. It doesn't matter. Well done, Australia. They have won the 2015 World Cup. And lightning strikes twice. The Sunshine Coast going back to back. Champions in the 2018 Super Netball Competition.